As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Have rediscovered the horn. Oh, the horns everywhere! <laughs> oh, I tell you Hornier what, than Lilith. I tell you what, if you were a teenage boy and you are playing Street Fighter Six at the moment, my <laughs> lord, there's a lot of material. There is a lot. Dead or alive, two all over again. Oh man, the, there's thankfully less jizz, jiggle physics, but there <laughs> is a fair amount of butt jiggle that they have put in. Because do you not remember they yeah. actually did a trailer analysis and they were like, "Wait a minute, Capcom, have you actually added jiggle physics into the female <laughs> combatants here?" And yes, they have. This is a game just, for all of your fetishes. Is, is, is. Yes, <laughs> we were just saying because we started talking about. Street Fighter 6 obviously happy Street Fighter Day to all Whee! those who celebrate Street Fighter 6 is finally out um, obviously reviewing really really well we mm-hmm. both have copies of mm-hmm. it it's mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. Um, but yeah the, that side of the game where like people are discovering the artwork that you unlock if you finish the arcade mode as Kami and um, there's also some what do you call the wrestler woman uh, Mika Almika's artwork is insane. There's just there's a lot of a lot of a lot of horn going on. Yeah, I mean this is the thing. The Street Fighter series has never really shied away from having sort of like um, the idealistic body types, shall we say, of just no. uh, both of like all of the different fighters that are there. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the female fighters in particular, they have got uh, some shapes on them. And uh, <laughs> I tell you what, though, even for like the muscle mummy um, fans, there's the new mm-hmm. Spartan warrior goddess. And the I tell one you, who just wants to get off with Zangief. Honestly, though. The, ama- the funniest things are just like the interactions they have with one another mm-hmm. in between fights or sometimes the way that they'll just like have little special dialogue. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Like you well, played we, through we the it- arcade mode as uh, Kami, haven't you? Yes, that was the first thing I did. I think I'm in love with Kami. I think I need to tell my wife at some point. Did yeah. you like the fact that instead of having the um, the scene-by-scene storyboards, instead they gave you sort of dialogue in the matches? So you're actually talking to your rival effectively come the end of it, and it has little yeah. dialogue pieces. I was like, oh, I actually prefer this than having a sort of like, here's a tiny little cutscene that is kind of explaining why they're fighting, whereas <laughs> this one it's like they're fighting, and in between the gasps of breath, they're like, you killed my father. No, I didn't. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
Yes, you did. <laughs> but I think that I thought was kind of funny was like back in 2015 when they launched Street Fighter Five and it didn't have the campaign and everyone was like, what the hell? And yeah. I know they patched stuff in later. This game's a pro, I know there is a full story mode as well, but the arcade mode is like a couple of bits of artwork and a few lines of dialogue and then it just rolls credits. And I'm like, that's old school, yeah. but that's also so little. The idea that like that's all they needed back for Street Fighter Five to go down way more positively. Like they were so close back then. It's weird as well, the amount of, because obviously there's been a huge time skip in between Street Fighter Five mm. and Six, and there's actually like quite a lot of character development that goes on that is like, um, okay, I must have missed this <laughs> seminar because it's like I'm not super au fait on the uh, the Street Fighter lore. I play the games. I'm terrible at them, but I, I absolutely yeah, I love them. No but it was like Ken Masters, for example. I always just like, in my mind, it's like him and Ryu, they have like a brotherly rivalry. It's always mm -hmm. in good spirits. They're fine. And then you find out in this one, it's like, yeah, Ken Masters had this school uh, and it like, what, burnt down in a mysterious fire and now he like lost everyone and he's on the run from the law. And I'm like, wait, what? What is going on here? Well, there's the thing with Kami, uh, which is funny because obviously like over the years, there's been like little drops of law. And mm -hmm. I know Street Fighter Five they did a lot more of it over time. But like, yeah, with Kami, she's like mentioning like the Shadaloo and like going up against them yeah. and like some evil force. And I was like, these these are names I've not heard for quite know, some time. It's like Street Fighter, like, like M. Bison, the spirit of M. Bison is still alive and well in the form of jury. <laughs> and some of the other antagonists here but mm. I will admit not seeing him because he's deed apparently well he's he, how many times has he died how many times yeah. has he really died um, I'm sure that he'll come back in a DLC pack but the new guy well, he, um, who's, the, who's the new leader uh, there's a new evil guy with the cane oh and I can't, yeah it, it, that guy sucks to fight do you know what he is way OP at the moment I'm just yeah. putting out there he's got a grab that um, moves from the left hand side <clears> of the screen to the right in under a second and if it grabs yeah. you it's near, it's near unblockable it's like thanks well, dude yeah, do you think they're doing that intentionally in terms... Obviously, there was Seth in, in Street Fighter 4. I didn't yeah. play enough Street Fighter 5 to know what that was, but I feel like fighting games overall, like Mortal Kombat has Shao Kahn, Tekken 6 had a Zazel. You need a bastard. Yeah, you always need someone. <laughs> you need ba that's what it is. You just need a big, hard bastard. <laughs> the bastard rule. Yeah. yeah, they've definitely steered into that. Um, but yeah, so I did a, I did a bit, a little bit of the arcade mode. I haven't done the story yet. I fought online for a bit. I got my ass fed to me about three or four times. Oh, then I managed to yes, win brother. once. I won once, and I was like, I'm right, I've won. Right. Cool, I'm going to bed. Like, let's do this thing. Because um, that was like half two in the morning. But yeah, I can't Way to get back to it. It feels like the most like perfect refined version of Street Fighter, mm -hmm. like maybe ever. I mean, two was obviously my is my favorite. I know it's a lot of people's go to, um, but all the new mechanics, all the drive arts and stuff, like the fact that you can tank hits so yeah. easily. I really like that. Stuff. I feel like what they've done here is they found a perfect mixture to allow everyone the ability to hold their own in a fight with the modern control systems. Even though I don't like them, I I've tried mm. using them and I didn't get on with them I haven't well. tried yet because but it's, I need it's to. the lack it, it's actually like the lack of flexibility like it mm. allows you to do every move but it didn't feel like I was actually having much input on it but I know that some people who are not as uh, experienced with fighting games are going to love the ability to just get in there throw their super moves around that's great mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the like you say the drive system that's in there the ability to like tank hits to dish out some unblockable stuff to counter to use it to close the gap with the dash mm. rush like it's little things like that that are going to have a huge impact on how combos and entire esports events are shaped around. Like, I've seen people already find super busted combos with Luke in the fact that they can go into uh, a full combo of his, go into some sandblast stuff, they go and use the drive to close the gap, it then turns mm -hmm. it into like an MMA takedown, and it's like, oh man, this is like, this is such high-level fighting thinking. And there's mm. me just like mashing one combo over and over again, like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this well, working? Well, that was me, like, when I was fighting online, I was up against a dude that was playing a Zangief, and just like, just kept grabbing me out of the stuff yeah, I was doing. And I was yeah. like, I'm pretty sure the training told me that I that they couldn't be grabbed <laughs> He's out like, of this. <laughs> training. <laughs> <laughs> 
going to say there's me getting um, tornado pile dri- driven again. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, Street Fighter Six, like we always, because me and you played it, I think it was EGX or whatever, oh, like yeah, earlier last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it was awesome. So I've been looking forward to this quite a lot. Like this and Diablo are like the twin punch mm-hmm, of the, mm-hmm. the next few days or whatever. Um, but yeah, awesome so far and I can't wait to play more. I should also say this is the Untitled Banner podcast, the UBP, the UBP. UBP. The UBP. Yeah. I'm Scott Tilford. That's Jules Gale. I am indeed. Where we take your latest questions, talking points, etc. However, because we always get so many week to week, I thought we'd do a rollover. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst talking about Street Fighter, talking about new things. But like I said, we had so many questions and talking points. I've just brought them forward because there's always the take trough. I know, man. With. It always overspilleth. <laughs> so first question from Stee, who says, is God of War Ragnarok the best first playthrough ever? And if not, what is? I like the idea of like the games that are the best first time through and you can never get that magic again. Wait a minute. So it's, it's the best first time playthrough ever, but you're discounting That's... God of War 2018? <laughs> no, 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 I, I no, no, no. That, that, that just blows my mind because like surely with Ragnarok, you although you don't know where the story's going, you know mm. the mechanics, you know the setting, you know what Kratos is, where you left him. Whereas mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. opening sections of 2018's God of War was just like, wow. I have True. no idea what game this is going to be, but I already know it's going to be a masterpiece. I'm well, just trying guess, to clarify. Yeah. I'm just trying to clarify what you're saying. No, I think the overall question is awesome in terms of like which game is the best first time around. Like that has that specific magic where you just can't recapture it again. Yeah, man. But I think I agree with you that like for me, um, I thought Ragnarok was fine, but because it was quite safe gameplay wise, it didn't blow me away. And I did prefer 2018s because it did have all those big sort of thematic risks for the character and stuff. Um, but yeah, for me, like. It's something like Halo 2, like going through Halo 2 Ooh. for the first time. Oh, really? Um, Halo 2 is oh, interesting because of the ending. I know everyone hated the ending. I loved it. I mean, like, I... Like, Cause, cause I just like, I'm getting more, yay! <laughs> but yeah. I remember, like, back then, um, Halo 2 had, like, the incredible music. There was the Molnir mix with Steve Vai doing, like, mm. the more guitar up version of the main theme. Wee. And the bit when you fight, like, the Scarab tank and there's all yeah. this stuff with the Arbiter. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. loved my time with Halo 2. And for me, when it went to the um, that cliffhanger where he's like, oh, what are you doing? And he's, like, finishing this fight. I was like, cool, we're going to get another one. So I never cared. I was yeah, like, And fair. plus, I was, like, lost in the multiplayer at that point, too. So I was always, like, I was always fine with it. It was only when I got older and started researching it and writing articles and stuff on it uh, for Culture that like, I realized, like, oh, people hate this. And it was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I just totally did not. That's always a funny thing, isn't it? When you find out that your opinion is like so against the general <laughs> consensus that you're like, wait, what? Am I the crazy one? I thought the, everyone else was mad. Like, I had that for um, Star Wars Episode One, like because I saw Episode One as a kid and I loved it. I loved Jar Jar, loved all that yeah. stuff. Because I, well, I, I was like, well, how old would I have been? When that movie came out, like 99? So I think I would have yeah, been yeah, 10. Yeah. And um, I remember going to see it with my grandma and like um we just picked a movie it was like that or wild wild west or something and um wow you we, had a pair of stinkers to choose from there didn't you whoa okay <laughs> like seeing episode one in the cinema as a kid it was perfect i love the pod racing i still do yeah and like looked off more best part of the it was film. great Pod racing should be in way more stuff. Mm-hmm, it's just ridiculous mm-hmm, that it's mm-hmm. not. And uh, and I even loved Jar Jar back then. I, w- I wanted to get the Jar Jar toy and stuff. And so like growing up and then realizing like people despised it and then being like, oh, okay. Like I'm I'm way off. Like I've got a way soft spot for that movie. I just remember my dad taking me to see that film because it was like one of the first films that I remember in the cinema. It's like that and The Lion King pretty much were like my two earliest right. get, uh, like um film memories and then just walking out afterwards and I was like oh I really like that because obviously again I was like young and then like my dad was just like mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Glad <laughs> that that very much like a glad you had a good time vibe. Yes, and I was glad like, we oh, did this. No. <laughs> <laughs> what would you be your uh, game that was like the most magical first time through? You know what? It would actually be a recent game, and I've talked about it a few times before. Uh, you know, there's a few. 
Um, mm. Disco Elysium, I know I keep bringing up, man, but that is a magical first time That's playthrough a great because I, I won't lie, I bounced off it a few times and was just like, maybe this isn't the game for me, but it kept on drawing me back in because I was like, oh, I keep trying with it. And then eventually towards the end of it, I felt so emotionally, and yes, I'm going to say it, intellectually satisfied by that game <laughs> that I was just like, hmm, good, thank you. And then no other yes. game was like it forever again. And I was like, cool. Well... I was going to say, like, shout out to, I don't know if you watch the channel People Make Games, but it's mm-hmm. uh, it's Chris Bratt. Like, he used to work for Video Gamer, like, alongside, like, Chris Simon Miller Pratt and everything. Then. I was like, God, what's he, what's he in now? <laughs> no, he, <laughs> no, he would just be the uh, the weird alternate reality version. Yeah. But I uh, know Chris Bratt from VideoGamer.com, he has a channel called People Make Games. They do really genuinely uh, phenomenal journal- like gaming journalism pieces. Okay. Um, and they've just done, like, a two-and-a-half-hour video on the, all the court proceedings that are happening with Death- Disco Elysium. Oh, because, yes, and, like, obviously, they're, they're suing the publisher, aren't they? And there's a lot of issues as to who owns it now going forward. Yes. Mm. So I've not I've not finished that thing yet because like I said it's like two and a half hours long. But like they've done loads of great stuff, all about like class disparity across gaming journalism and like class okay. disparity across um the uh, gaming's creators themselves. I think they do great pieces. Just shout out to that channel. People make games, they're genuinely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, Disco Elysium, if you're like if you like that game and the way it came together, the creatives, and there's interviews with them and there's interviews with the the um publisher who's trying to like take it from them and stuff, um that thing seems fascinating itself. Everything that's happening with Disco Elysium is like insane considering what that game was about. It is indeed. The only thing is, is that I may have to refine my answer a little bit because I realized mm. that the question was, what is the best first time playthrough? Meaning yes. that it doesn't get better when you play through it again afterwards. And I would mm. actually argue that Disco Elysium does get better on a second or third playthrough because you can try different avenues and figure the game out because it's once you learn how the game is playing you, you learn how to play the game and so, so That's on. That's true. So maybe mm. my answer should be something like Inscription because that game, Ooh. I was so lucky I didn't get spoiled for me. I uh, I think it was in our group chat when Rich dropped that image that was, uh, no, mm-hmm. Ash dropped an image of um, the section of the game, and I will try not to spoil it for anyone who's still to play this, where they have the computer, the, the game reads your computer <laughs> effectively at, at some yes, point in yes. the game. And so mm-hmm. she put that in there. I was like, what is this game? And they were like, oh, you should play it. Just know nothing about it. Go into it blind. So I right, streamed yeah. it and I had the best time with that game. It's one of my favorite games that I've ever played. But I mm-hmm. do think playing it again and knowing all the twists and turns would actually diminish it because I would be like, well, I know th- I know what this is leading up to now. It's a little bit like the first time I went through Undertale because I did that on mm. PC. It was on Steam. And like, yeah, any game that sort of gets meta and like is living in your computer or living in your console, I think it's harder to do that on consoles because we have more agency over the, the console itself. Yeah. Whereas like sometimes with PC stuff, I don't know, something about the amount of customization you can do to a PC or like the amount of different like files on those, the system. Mm-hmm. Like when a game starts saying like, I'm accessing your files and it's pulling all this data in. I'm like, oh my God, like this feels more convincing. And um, yeah, going through Undertale for the first time with all the flowery stuff, that was like a whole thing. And yeah. Did I tell you, by the way, on the inscription that I had an absolute panic attack when it came Mm -hmm. to the section that I've just referred to? Because there's a section where it reads certain files. And obviously, because of our jobs, we've got (laughs) access to NDA games. So I was panicking (laughs) because I was like, oh, what if it shows like that I'm playing this game? No one should Uh know that I've got a copy of this at the moment. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to have to just turn the live stream. Like I put to the end to the I'll be right back thing. And I was furiously going through trying to move every single (laughs) game into a collective folder and then put that onto a separate hard drive effectively. And and then eventually they were like, 
oh no, it doesn't do that. And I was like, right, oh right. my God, okay. Yeah, because yeah, if it had full access to like encrypted files or something, like, oh, that no. would have been insane. Because oh, no. I was going to say on the, on the console version, it doesn't, it, it can't do that. So it has oh. to sort of like talk around it anyway. Interesting. But um, yeah, anything like that though, where there is some sort of like meta reveal, like Undertale, like inscription, um, is worth a shout. My, when you mentioned um, inscription, I don't know why, but my mind remembered Singularity, the Raven first oh, person shooter. A good game. Which like, sometimes you get like a perfectly paced, like eight to 10 hour game that just like has the perfect rollout of mechanics and everything else. Um, that game is like so overlooked. It's not available anywhere unless you get it on like Steam Deck mm-hmm. or something. Um, I guess through an emulator. Um, but that was like an incredible first person shooter sci-fi premise and everything with a really cool twist at the end um, that just isn't available anymore because that team are like working on Call of Duty for, for the rest of their lives. Yeah, Ripperoni. <laughs> uh, next question from Harry O'Connor who says what would the Xbox showcase have to look like to give you guys some hope about the future of Xbox for me Starfield Avowed Forza Hellblade and others all have to shine I prefer Xbox showcases to others because games that I see I know I can play through Game Pass and save some money that's an interesting one isn't it it's like how do you get mm. hype for a console when every single facet of the parent company is saying you don't need a console going forward to effectively <laughs> enjoy our games because you can get it on PC um, that's a really good point I don't know, man. Like, I, I did. Uh, I've actually done a video with uh, Josh from the Future Games Show, and that should be going live soon about predicting what's going to be at the Xbox um, showcase. That's so funny because me and our Josh are doing our predictions next Wednesday <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, so we just like thought we'd have a little chat about what we would hope to see there, and I think mm-hmm. that the only thing that's going to really inspire confidence in me is for Microsoft to look at the developers that they've already bought and go to them and be like, what are your strengths? What games Mm. can you give me that show people why we bought you effectively? Like Mm -hmm. uh, Compulsion Games, for example, that made We Happy Few. As Mm -hmm. flawed as that game was... There was a hugely great premise there to explore, yes. like the idea of a dystopian, and let's use the word Bioshock esque because it was. That, it, it was they, like they yeah, did yeah. lean into that. Let's face it, mm-hmm. and there is a story at the heart of that that is worth exploring, even if the gameplay kind of mired the excitement for it. Mm-hmm. Now they've been working on what they say is a We Happy Few adjacent game okay. that isn't We Happy Few Two, but it for like six years at this point. But it's not in like the We Happy Few universe but it is a lot of the <laughs> gameplay refinements that they did in the DLC carrying forward and has right, that okay. sort of dystopian tone. So I'm like, that game right there is something I want to play because yeah. that that because I we don't have a new Bioshock. We don't have, effectively, well, we don't know what's going to be unveiled at the showcase, a new Fallout. Please be New Vegas 2 if you do decide mm. to do that there. But mm-hmm. this is the thing. If we can get something that's like at the, the stopgap, Yes, please. And if you've been working for it for six years, maybe it's a shadow drop. Maybe it would happen. Well, that would be great. Like the last time they had so much positive buzz was when they shadow dropped Hi-Fi Rush. And like being able to say like, here's this polished thing that is available on Game Pass right now. Pay six, seven, eight pounds, whatever it is for different trial versions. And just go play it. Like that's their way in. The thing that's interesting is that like Phil Spencer was like, oh, you know, Starfield's not going to be an 11 out of 10. We're not bothered about these massive exclusives. Even though they're still going to make these big games, they're more about building around that to try and like you know support the platform and all that kind of stuff which makes me think that they'll kind of do quite a, a boring kind of version of a showcase where it's like here's everything that's coming but there's no massive thing it's just a bulk of stuff almost like if Netflix told you what was coming exactly it's funny that you should mention that because uh, Josh and I were talking about how it may be a features update for the mm. game pass itself rather than a games catalog <clears throat> so you may be looking at being like 
Okay, it's available on more devices. Um, you can access mm. it through these portals. Um, it's going to allow for quicker streaming here. It's like a priority system that will allow you to do this while also having mm. some downloads going on in the background or something like that. Like they, mm -hmm. they may just make the quality of life improvements for the service the focal point of this presentation. And if mm. they do, fair play to them. They're leaning into a format that is already a proven winner. So Yeah, it's a weird thing because like Spencer was like, oh, the um, percentage that Game Pass makes up of their bottom line, I think it was like 12% or something. It he is was like, it's not going to get considering. I understand that. No, but he was like, it's not going to get a bigger percentage of the company, but the actual amount that that bottom line is worth will go up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's interesting because like at some point, can you guys just make some games and put them out? Or like, you know, reveal, like you said, what people have been working on for so long because they have so many devs. And like, I mean, we've seen Double Fine have been teasing stuff. So I'm, I'm yeah, interested in Tim Schafer's next thing um because like yeah since they got acquired like they were finishing psychonauts 2 when they got acquired so whatever their next project is assumedly would be completely xbox funded exclusive and whatever Do you know what the funny thing is about double fine is is that you can mm. never ever look at them and predict the type of game that they're going to put out no. because it's like what did we get did, didn't they do stacking way back way they in the stack, day? yeah okay, yeah stacking a while ago yeah they did um broken age yep they did uh, they, had a, they had a Kickstarter, a lot of those, they crowdfunded a lot true. of those things. They did like Psychonauts um, 1 and 2 as well. But it's like they, mm -hmm. they have such different styles and tones within these games mm. that it's just like, man, I cannot... They, they could come out with like a racing game as their next thing and I would be like, <laughs> yep, that makes sense. Man, if they did like a, like a car racer with like a lot of the double fine charm and find oh, some way of so making it like mechanically <laughs> interesting. So car racers are back right now, which is cool. Um, I tell you, the one thing that Double Fine could announce that would make me melt would be Brutal Legend 2. Or like, Ooh. I just... Ooh, I love Jack that game. A hot property right now as well. Yeah. So that would actually be the perfect time to release. And he's in Psychonauts that. too. Like, he I mean, is. him and Schaefer are friends, yeah. and like, dude seems to be up for everything. Um, yeah, I love Brutal Legend. It was so mismarketed. EA just butchered the hell out of it. Like, if it was they completely just said mis it was an RTS game, then people would yes. have been like, they would have been on board from the jump, and it would have been so much mm -hmm. easier for them to shift. But that demo, that demo scuppered them, man. Releasing a 15-minute demo of a hack and slash adventure game where it was never the same again was like, mm -hmm. this is so dumb. Why have you done this? That's the thing. It was only one of those things where during the pandemic I went back to it because I was just because it finally got patched on Xbox so it just runs well oh, and nice. I was like okay I'm gonna go back through this and it's like yeah the idea of like an RTS where you can zoom in and, and play the cursor yeah. as a hack and slash and then zoom back out I was like this is really cool <laughs> and this was nowhere in the marketing and like whatever and then playing through it I was like I actually adore this this is incredible it's a really fun game the only downside to it was that that open world as beautiful it is had very little mm. to do in and I tell yeah, you what that true. difficulty spike when you meet the, <clears throat> the emo kids the drowning whatever they're called um, I can't remember what they're oh called. god they're like the black metal kids with the uh, white face yeah, the, the the oh man, what are they called? I the, forget their whatever names. they are, but they're, they're they're basically the emo goth kids, aren't they? Yes. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik: The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun. A reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. 
But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Like that difficulty spike when you have to fight them and the main bad guy was like, eesh, mm. okay. I'm kind of, yeah, done. this, a lot this of is a like, bit too hard, too quick at this point now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it's not a perfect game. There's a lot of like, yeah, random open world stuff uh, or like arbitrary open world mm. stuff that was just kind of thrown in. I do remember like finding Kyle Gass though, because you can find like a big bruiser <laughs> that has like KG's head from Tenacious D. Um, there's a lot of love in that game. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, overall, I feel like the, the goals, it's kind of like an open goal that they've got to hit because uh, there's a lot of hate around PlayStation at the minute because of all the live service stuff, the push into mobile, how kind of boring the showcase was even though i quite enjoyed it um the general reception has been like oh my god what is sony doing mm-hmm. and so i kind of i wonder if uh, either xbox will take that um energy or maybe nintendo will announce it direct because we still don't know what they're doing but there's still like there's potential for them to come it's in funny, as well isn't it that all these companies are just waiting they've got their finger mm. on the button and they're just basically going like who's going to go first make the mistakes and allow us to <laughs> change our presentation slightly so it doesn't lead into that like because well sony they, they, they like, still have they still cast shade at one another on their twitter yeah on their like um on their like blog posts and stuff like that they'll always be a little bit like hey look we aren't doing x we're doing y <laughs> it's like how 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 many hours after their press event did you change that article to yes. make sure there's like guys lean lean away from that lean away from this well the thing was with spider-man 2 like they showed that off in like in abundance but they won't confirm the release date and yeah. i on my personal thoughts are that they are waiting for starfield to go first and then they'll cut it off by putting yeah. spidey like a day before or two days mm-hmm. before or whatever and um, it was kind of like how when marvel was versus dc across the end of the 2010s every time dc would have any movie trailer marvel would drop their one because they had yeah. way more momentum. it's like basically like we're gonna release it out of spite at this yeah. specific time to make sure <laughs> that we just basically cut the wind out of your sails mm-hmm. yeah because jim ryan was talking about uh, he wanted to have total mind share which oh. is like such a pr term but he was why like talking he, about like why does he always I sound just... like that like again it's like, <laughs> is he programmed by somebody else just an ai just, just be human man Oh, well, he he's like a full on like in the best way possible cold businessman. Yeah. Like he's not a gamer, yeah. he's not a Phil Spencer. That's that's his thing. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with that stuff across the next few weeks because there's a lot to happen with future game show with Summer Games Fest, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. Um, next question from Willie Araya, who says, if graphics are hitting a plateau in terms of jumps between generations, what are your expectations for a true next generation game? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because we mm. kind of covered this uh, last week with where does fidelity go after a certain point? Mm. Like, do you care that there are individual sparks emanating from a machine 20 foot away? Like, it doesn't actually matter that much, except no. out of maybe like a photo mode. And even then, are you actually paying attention to it? So I'd mm-hmm. say that the next generation game is one that will really encapsulate the society of what it's trying to reflect. So it would be a right. game that doesn't uh punish you for not playing it every single day so it isn't a live service title it Mm. is something that's a a new gameplay style maybe a fusion of other genres again i feel like we need that uh, creative jumpstart um, to break the homogeny chain because we've got our big franchises. We've had them for years. We know exactly what to expect from them. We mm. need more games like Hi-Fi Rush. We need more games like Dredge. We need more games that just go, look, we're taking a risk. We're going to mm-hmm. go for something a bit different. 
That's a really interesting approach to completely like detonate the foundations and be like, okay, your actual approach, your mentality to the amount of time you put into a game per week can change mm-hmm. because the assumption at the minute is that everybody wants a live service, which the public tell, well, they don't. Like most people have like the capacity for one, at the most two yeah. live services. Um, and then everyone's trying to do that and it bottoms out, which is like, you see, you see that across the board, Anthem, Avengers, whatever. And so like, yeah, the idea of like creating something that respects your time, but isn't an eight hour finishable mm-hmm. story, or maybe it can be, maybe part of that can be that thing. I like the idea of changing the playtime and the mentality towards it to create something that you dip in and out of um, that is almost has a casual approach but does feel narratively satisfying or does play, feel mechanically satisfying. Weirdly enough, I feel like we could class Street Fighter 6 as being a next generation title um, because mm. of the fact it's a focus on accessibility and sort mm-hmm. of transparency in terms of where the rollout of content has been, what we're trying to develop, how they're trying to support the system going forward. I mean, it's got the trappings of maybe some microtransactions that are probably going to uh, show their head at some point in time. But as I think it stands that, yeah, right this... now, this is a game for everyone. And I feel like mm-hmm. that is the real future for gaming is making it as level playing field and accessible as possible. Yeah, the Street Fighter is a good shout because they have the optional control scheme for new people. Because mm-hmm. like talking to people in the office over over here, um, I was talking to James Pert, who's one of our editors, and he was like, "Oh, I'm not a fighting game guy. I can never keep up with like down diagonal yeah, right square yeah. whatever." And I was like, "Well, actually, they've made something just for you. Mm-hmm. Now you just push a button and it does it." And it's like that's like a whole a good step in the right direction. And yeah, for me, like I'm kind of waiting for something that. I can't even really conceptualize it now. I'll know it when I see it. But I feel like over the years, over the decades, when we grew up with gaming, we weren't predicting. We all it was, it was always that like the game came first, and then it was like, oh, I never even thought of something that would play mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I think something that's more physics based, something that's more directly gameplay based, and not bothered about high fidelity cutscenes and realistic eyes that dilate when the when the environment gets brighter. I so don't care about that. It was part of the whole fidelity thing last week. Um, but yeah, I want something that is like more like Tears of the Kingdom, where you're thinking through situations yeah. in ways that are fundamentally based in gameplay. That again is another good example for a next generation game. I've not played it. I'm still, mm. I'm like, you know, I'm just waiting in the wings, man. <laughs> when I've got a, like, so this thing, I've got to go through Breath of the Wild and that. So I just yeah, need get to, a I, spare I, hundred hours. I was about to say, I just need a spare two hundred hours in order yeah. to get through both of this. <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, cool. Eventually, at some point, my life will stuff. But the thing is, is that um, when it comes to creativity and maybe not graphical uh, prowess being the forerunner of why you should play it games mm-hmm. like uh, viewfinder have you seen that yeah that yeah, yeah. game is for me yes a perfect example of what games should be something that mm-hmm. is so detached from reality yet is so intrinsically fun as a concept that you you cannot experience it so therefore ah. it's that full immersion into something totally unlike that we are experiencing the day-to-day it's yeah. such a cool well, idea my, my- my thing, because viewfinder is like you t- you have a you have a literal like sort of old school camera, yeah. and you take photos. But whatever you take a photo of, it then re-renders through the image, and you don't realize that it's created a whole new three D mm-hmm. mesh until you start to move. And it's like, oh, okay, on the rendering side, this is blowing my mind yeah. because being able like, to take those yeah. photos and place them into the game world that you're playing as. So it's like, say you need to get up a flight of stairs that doesn't exist, but there's a photo mm. of some stairs in an alleyway. You go take the photo of those stairs and plonk them down, kind of like mm. in a way, it's the refinement of the what's that Mario sticker star is that what it's called sticker book the sticker star is one yeah. of them yeah. like it was that sort of thing of like using outside elements or unraveled or whatever it's called where you yep. um, you use gameplay elements outside of it to bring to manipulate the game world like, mm-hmm. like you say physics based stuff like stuff that just bends with your mind that's what you well want. that's the thing because you you put the photo down in 2D it's a 2D image that you place down but then when you move at all you realize it's, it's 3D. 3D it's mad isn't and it? I'm like, just, how, I, how do you even me, do that <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's like, yeah, on the rendering side, that blows my mind. That's what I want way more of. I want stuff that takes advantage of the SSD. Like, we were told going into the generation from, like, Mark Cerny for Sony that, like, with SSD tech, there's no more loading. So that frees up mm-hmm. level design entirely. And it's like, well, that's fascinating. Give me something that is fundamentally couldn't be loaded, couldn't be rendered on an old school system. We haven't had that yet. i tell you what, a great example of that, again, to go back to Street Fighter VI. Mm-hmm. There is not, I wouldn't say that Street Fighter 6, when you go into its um, single player campaign mode, isn't the most graphically impressive. There's a lot of like right. slowdown and choppy frame rates uh, the further away you are from characters. But did you realize how impressive it is to whenever you engage in battle with anyone in the streets, the background mm. of what you're fighting, where you are fighting, is the fighting stage? Oh, okay. The, I've not gone into the story the, mode the yet. exact position. So basically, like, you could be fighting... So you walk up to somebody who's next mm-hmm. to an escalator, right? You go up to them and you challenge them. The fight starts immediately. It takes mm-hmm. no loading whatsoever. And you're fighting them. And in the background is that same escalator. And you're fighting right, in, okay. in, in the plaza full of other people. And some mm-hmm. people will gather around you. When the fight is over, those people are still standing there around you going, way, well done. And oh, then they go, cool. this person go off their separate ways. The idea yeah. that they haven't just gone for generic um, background one, two, and three, depending on where you are in the city, and actually make it so that it real time recognizes where you are in the mm-hmm. game world and converts mm-hmm. a 3D image... Uh, 3D world to a 2D mm-hmm. effectively scrolling uh, parallax scrolling thing. It's just mad. It's like, it's like, how did they do that? Well, because my yeah, my thing on that side is like shouting out respawn. Like in there's a bit in Titanfall 2. Um, I forget the name of the level, but there's a level in Titanfall 2 where the level is is re-rendering behind you, but you don't realize. Is that the effect sort of like, cause level? A, a, a part of it might be an effect and cause. That's the time travel level oh, where is it? like okay, they. Yeah. They like rendered two worlds on top of each other that's in crazy, the actual like geo mesh, and you go between, the between them. Yeah. yeah, that's how they make it look like you're going between mm. time zones. But um, but there's another level in Titanfall Two where like yeah, everything changes behind you, and as you turn around, you're in a different place. Layers of Fear did it as well, nice. and um, Star Wars Jedi uh, Fallen Order does it as well, where like um, you do some dream sequences as Cal, and then you you turn around, you realize you're in a different biome. And there's and Ogdo like, spawn again. <laughs> oh my god, well <laughs> he can stay in another biome. I don't need him anywhere anywhere near me. But um, but yeah, that whole thing of like f- like with the player going like. Like, oh, I think I understand the rules of game design. I think I understand the rules of a level. And then changing that. And like, I think that can be fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's the next gen stuff to me, mixed with the gameplay possibilities that come with it. Final question from Steve, who says, Hey, gents, what games do you enjoy talking about slash hearing others talk about more than you enjoy playing yourself? For me, it's Horizon Forbidden West. Absolutely love hearing you guys talk about Horizon, but I find myself bored with what feels like formulaic combat and arrow spongy enemies. So games that are more fun... For other people, the more fun, <laughs> the more fun lore to talk about. It's interesting because, um, do you know what? Uh, when um, Titanfall, the first one, came out, do you remember mm. that there was all those like mad creatures in the background that you could never interact with? It was I like, never actually played Titanfall one because ah, it was on it was Xbox One exclusive. And I didn't have an Xbox One back then. It, it was a really really fun game. Actually, I had a good time with that, and um, uh-huh. it was that like they never explained anything in the story about the worlds that you're fighting on, but there was all these mm. like elements in the background that appeared in like art books and stuff like that that I was so fascinated with that I just See was that. like, and then they just never did anything with them. So I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> that makes me think of Destiny because um, I think like Destiny lore, when you talk about, I, I've never met a real life person who loves Destiny, but I see a lot of Destiny coverage online. Obviously it's massively popular and everything. Um, but yeah, that whole game's lore and the fact that it had it, it was all based on the lo- the loading screen cards. It was like the, um, the Grimoire cards. Oh yeah. Um, I like, 
like the idea of that, and I think the lore of Destiny is cool. The idea of this big like space monolith that arrives on Earth and the Traveler, and it like it imbues everybody with power, but nobody understands it and whatever. And it's being chased through the galaxy mm-hmm. by some other entity. Mm-hmm. I know like the vi- I probably just probably just got all that wrong, but I know like the in theory the vaguest parts of Destiny lore. And so I would take Destiny as something that like is fun to hear about, but you don't get any of it when you actually play through it because it's just like this multiplayer. I mean, the single player for the original was like terrible in terms of story. I find the same thing with uh, I know that I'm going to get a lot of hate for this uh, Kingdom yeah. Hearts thing. Like I enjoy, that's a shout. I yeah. really enjoy people trying, and I emphasize the word trying to explain <laughs> the lore to me because I've played Kingdom Hearts one, two, and I believe it's called Birth by Sleep. Birth by Sleep is one of that's them. The- yeah. DS one? Oh, I'm going to get myself confused. People are going to be so angry with me. I I played three of them. I played three Kingdom Hearts games, but I have Mm. not played Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, Just didn't appeal to me. I don't know why, because I I enjoyed my other two times on it. Mm -hmm. Three's insane. Maybe it's because of the fact that the lore was just getting so out uh, out Mm. of control. But Mm. nowadays, I just like listening to people tell me about that game. Because I'm like, yeah, it does sound really fun. It's a shame (laughs) that the game doesn't deliver it in the way that you have just told me. Because the way that they've done it is they've played through everything, they've written out the timeline, and they've slotted it into chronological order. But whereas Mm. when you experience it in the game, it's kind of like, hey, I'm a character you've never met before, but you're meant to know who I am because you're meant to have read the blog post that we put out in 2016 (laughs) that you can't actually access nowadays. And he's like, ah, cool. (laughs) I'm dead now, by the way, so see you later. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm just going to say to you, Scott, is that when okay. we come down to the last question, because it is the most important, this is the actual last question, we need to okay. have the last call. So basically, it's like, it's basically like a little siren goes off, like, <laughs> it is time for the last question. <laughs> I want this to be serious. I want this to be like an epic moment that people go away from and they're going like, whoa, that was powerful, bro. That's epic, man. Yeah, epic, um, yes, okay, I'll... Find some sort of sound effect, or I'll echo your voice, or I'll just leave the perfect. in there somewhere. Absolutely perfect. I will figure something out. But the actual last question of the podcast comes from Jack Jingle, who says, have we uncovered any little gems so far in 2023? Doesn't have to be anything recent. Um, there's a, a Chrono Cross, uh, the Chrono Trigger follow-up, and Final Fantasy VI, I guess through the Pixel Remaster. I tell you what, mate, Chrono Cross is absolute S-tier banger territory. <laughs> it is good, mate, and my voice will keep going up to show how much praise I am giving it. I love People it. People don't man. like Chrono Cross, though, right? Isn't that the, that's the, the Bioshock 2 of the, the Chrono how series? How dare you say that? I, that's uh, all I've uh, seen. Bioshock 2 is bloody brilliant, <laughs> mate, and I will die on this hill. Like, jo- Joe Johnson is not in the room, mate. You don't need to act up for him, all right? Because like, he hates that no, but, I mean, I guess that could work in your favour if you're sticking up for both of them, because be, it's, the, it's the overlooked sequel. This is, uh, Bioshock 2 is the hill that I will die on, saying that it is right. a good sequel, and it's the one moment that I had where I can remember we were talking about earlier in the pod about um, everyone else says that you're the mad one, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm right, I know I'm right. But no, it's, it's just, I think the multiplayer, I mean, people run for the hills, but like, there's a lot of stuff to like in Bioshock Definitely, too. and there's a lot of stuff to like in Chrono Cross, as not maybe mm. as much as Chrono Trigger, but at the same mm. time, it is still a well-thought-out, very, very emotional and fun fun game i it's if i if you if you were to put a gun to my head and say which one should i play obviously it's going to be chrono mm. trigger obviously obviously mm. i'm not an idiot but at the same time <laughs> the the pixel remasters have been pretty damn good there's mm-hmm. been a lot of uh, quality of life uh, improvements in it so yes i cannot recommend it enough right now yeah, Final Fantasy VI I played through this year as well, playing through this mm. year as well. I'm also seeing the Final Fantasy Symphony Orchestra on Sunday, Ooh, and nice. they're playing Final Fantasy VI, VII, and X, I think, are the selections that they've said they're going to be playing. That's, so, that's rude yeah. to leave out. <laughs> like some, some, <laughs> some pretty notable ones in the middle there. I think you get like a random selection every okay. time. I don't know, I've never been before, but they told us on the ticket that they it's better six, seven, play the triple... Wait, no. 
six, seven, and ten. So there's going to be yeah, no, it's not no, going to be triple triad. There's no triple triad. Oh, um, but, um, but, um, but. but I should get like the uh, the Zanakin theme from ten or like yeah, whatever. Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm game for that stuff. Imagine um, if they just yeah, come hidden. out with a massive guitar and they start going do doom, do doom, get the Ramstein cover band to come out. Um, speaking of little gems this year, I need 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 to shout out Lego Two K Drive. On, I feel man. like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. one of the coolest. It's, well, it's not necessarily the coolest, but one of the most fun, most immediate, most well performing arcade races in quite some time. Um, and we did get supplied the review code for it. I'm nice. not shouting it out because we're sponsored. It was just something that I wasn't going to check out, um, but I was curious about because I always love car races. And then they were like, "We've got a code for you. You don't have to necessarily do the review, but can you please play it?" And I was like, "Okay, fine. It's actually really good. Like, it sounds like I'm just shilling for it, but I was pleasantly surprised by." That it's game. mad, isn't it? Because that game, when it was announced, I was like, we've already had this uh, Lego mm. Horizon, Forza Horizon. We've, we've had this mm-hmm. game, surely. But then they were like, no, it is apparently a standalone release and it's very different. And every time I looked at it, I was like, this looks great. This is really, really fun. Well, it's I'm got not like going to get it um, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like the Forza style. Um, like, you know, the amount of in-depth stuff that Forza has when it comes to its decals. Yeah. It's like that in terms of building your own mm-hmm. carts and everything. All the different Lego pieces and whatever. But it's just a really tight arcade racer. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got the power-ups and everything. It runs really well on PS5, which is rare these days um, which is insane because that and Dead Island 2 are like the two best performing games of the year and no one would ever think no, that no I know like it's, remotely. it's utterly bizarre isn't it you put those two games on there and people would be like these are games that I am either not hyped about or have already mm. given up on before they've even come out and they have turned out to be actual system sellers because yeah. they look so good in motion and it's like 2K Drive as well, just to round that out, is like the, you know, the Sonic racing games where like in the, oh, I think do it's I the All-Stars Sonic All-Stars Racing Transformed is, and yes. I will say this, mate, it is at least in the top three kart racing games ever. And right. that is pushing people's favorites way out of the league. So if you if you like the whole transformed thing yeah. of like going between you know cars and boats and whatever, that's what Lego Two K Drive is. Oh, okay. You're like when you, okay. the carts go okay. into the water and back out. Yeah, and like you can set a different um, you know skin or whatever for your boat versus your um, car, your main vehicle and everything. There's an off road skin as well, um, and there's like a jump button. There's boosting. It's just it's really really good. Uh, I was like, I mean, if you like car races, obviously it depends how much you like the genre. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're if you're open, if your mind is open, your heart is open to the likes of Sonic and All Stars uh, Racing Transformed, you can probably F with um, Lego 2K oh, Drive. I will. I will F with it <laughs> in short time. Um, to be honest, I've got a bit of a back catalogue to get through, but I will add it to the list of lists. Mm. Um, so the game that I would say has captured my heart and mind and a lot of my time at the moment has been the Advance Wars 1 and 2 uh, remasters mm. um, mm-hmm. uh, or reboot, ca- reboot Camp. I've had mm-hmm. a very, very good time with these games because I was not uh, fortunate enough to play Advance Wars 1 and 2 back on the original Game Boy when it came out, on the original yeah. Game Boy Advance, I believe it was. Yeah, Advance, um, yeah. And so coming into this, I was like, well, I like strategy games like your XCOM stuff. I like the sort of turn-based uh, system that it's got here. It kind of reminds me of like Tactics Ogre and stuff like that. So I was like, cool, let's mm-hmm. let's give this a go. And I was like, I put it onto classic mode because I just wanted as difficult an experience as possible because I'm an absolute masochist. And <laughs> I was just like, yeah, this game is amazing. This is so much fun. The characters are really likable and charming the animation in there is fantastic the music the soundtrack in this game is phenomenally catchy man it's really really good and i just walked away from uh, playing through advanced wars one before going into the second one and Mm -hmm. just being like well that might be one of my favorite strategy games ever (laughs) because it wasn't it was a nice breezy experience it didn't overstay its welcome i had a really good time the final boss was uber challenging so it was actually really rewarding to beat him and i just was mm-hmm. like that's brilliant i'm immediately going to go into the second one 
See that advance wars I always heard about, like you said, it was on GBA. I just for me when it launched, it was the price that put me off because they were mm-hmm. charging like fifty or sixty pounds or something for it. Um, but I've always been curious to check it out. Like me and you have always been huge fans of XCOM or something like um, uh, Into the Breach or something like that, yeah. like a more modern sort of a like grid based thing. Um, and yeah, I always really wanted to check that out. If they ever, I mean, it's Nintendo; they'll never reduce the price. But if they ever reduce it a little bit, um, that was on my list as well. But I haven't got around to it yet. Can recommend it. It was a really good laugh. Mm. Speaking of recommending things, this has been the entire Partner Podcast, the UBP, the UBP. The UBP. The UBP. Ivan Scott Tilford, that's been Jules Gill. I have indeed. And remember, you can take part in our call cool. for questions question. every single Thursday, except the last one, because we had such an overflow <laughs> of the take trough. Uh, but go over to Twitter, where I am at RetroJ with a zero, and Scott is at slash LP89 and you will find either one of us putting out a call for questions you can put in anything to do with gaming film TV music food whatever Whatever you want whatever whatever else just ask questions and we will try and uh, I do stress try to answer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, next week we've got a whole bunch of different showcases and Summer Game Fest and everything else. So there should be a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, thank you. Yes, whatever I usually say. Thank you all very much. <laughs> and we'll catch you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food, Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.